2: listening to the next best picture podcast and this is my interview with the director and producer for Occupied City, Academy Award-winning filmmaker Steve McQueen and his producing partner Bianca Stigter. In May 1940,
1: Amsterdam was taken over by the Germans. Immediately, they set the clock forward so it was the same time in Amsterdam as in Berlin. The weather report disappeared from the newspapers. It was now a military secret. All streetlights were turned off. Dutch organizations were nazi or forbidden. Soon, the Nazis started to ban Jews from parks, pools, shops, cafes and schools from all public life. Music by Jewish composers could no longer be played. In 1941, they started rounding people up. In 1942, the deportations began. Hello,
3: everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. I am being joined right now by the director of Occupied City, Steve McQueen, and the producer of the film, Bianca Stigter. Bianca, Steve, how are both of you doing today?
1: Good, good. Uh, bang has got a bit of a cough, I think.
0: A yeah, bit of a bit of cold, but uh,
1: I hope it goes well.
3: <laughs> it's that cold New York City weather. Times are changing.
1: It's a pod- it might be some coffee but there you go life goes on
3: <laughs> life goes on indeed it does and life goes on as illustrated in occupied city as you are attempting to connect the past uh to the present here showcasing the city of amsterdam uh both in its modern day setting and also through this historical context of what uh took place there between 1940 1945. bianca this is based on the book Atlas of an occupied city Amsterdam 1940 to 1945. Yeah. um it's your it's your book. Tell me a little bit about just the origins here, early conversations with Steve in bringing this documentary feature film based on this book to life.
0: um yeah, I, I wrote a book. It was i worked for a long time on it. It was finished in 2019. and it is a kind of, let's say guidebook or time machine that shows you neighborhood by neighborhood and street by street and house number by house number sometimes even floor by floor what um happened there during the occupation of uh, Amsterdam by the nazis and that that book has been taken as an inspiration for uh for Steve um to make uh Occupied City as a as a film which of course um uh, differs a lot from uh, the experience of reading uh, uh, a book.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, the decision here to kind of, I, I don't want to say leave no stone unturned, because as I understand it, even at a behemoth uh, 262 minutes, I understand that there was still more footage that was shot for this. 36 Can you tell me? 36 yes 36? Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, so now I have a lot more questions. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, first of all, the approach of telling a story of this length and then where the, the decisions uh, came from on what to leave in versus what didn't make it into the final film?
1: Well, I think, you know, the, as, is, as is, is, is a feature-length documentary,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one had to sort of... Again, the three six hours is going to be used in another form at another time. So the whole idea of using... That that four hours and twenty three minutes was about the beginning and middle and end because I knew that this was a sort of cinematic presentation, Um, and it was a case of having a balance within what was selected, and again how it sort of made this sort of experience into a a journey. Again, it is it is is, again like you know Banker said before: this is not a history lesson; it's an experience. So it's how what is the best not the best necessarily, but what is necessary to make the images or the stories into a, a feature film which has a certain kind of a, a journey to it.
3: Absolutely.
0: It really becomes a kind of one wandering through mm-hmm. um, the city and you see what it is like now and you hear what happened there in, um, in between 1940 mm. and 1945 whether it's an act of uh, resistance or a uh, uh, a round off of jewish citizens and um yeah. that makes you uh, go deep into the history and equally deep into the present
1: and how the film was edited in a way was to sort of again this space on the, on the english garden the holiday of miranda to sort of wander to you know come across again it's different to say like a french garden where it's, it's about it's a formality and it's sort of kind of symmetry this is the english garden is more to roam, to discover
3: got it yeah i i was just re-watching uh martin scorsese's film gangs of new york recently and that has a final shot at the end where uh, the city transitions from the past and into its modern day present and you're left lingering with um, how these people's uh, culture, how their actions, their voices, uh, their names—in uh, some cases—are lost to history, while others are seeking to preserve and still tell those stories of the the people who occupied that city. And so, here when I when I watch Occupied City, I, I certainly get that impact of uh, showcasing what Amsterdam is like in the present day. But then hearing that uh, that voiceover work from uh, Melanie. Of really just like telling in, in in a very cold but factual manner what exactly happened at these locations, it really hits home in a way that I found to be extraordinarily like impactful, and it settled in in a way that like really took me by surprise.
1: Well, I think her voice isn't necessarily cold. It, there's a certain level of optimism in spite of what she's saying, in spite of what she's sort of uh, 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 you know illustrating.
3: Forgive me. Maybe it's just and yeah.
1: also the fact that yeah. again she um, obviously this person
2: mm-hmm.
1: was not there when these at these events happened. This is a person who wasn't of the age of 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 of, of knowledge as such when these things happen. So it's coming from a voice of 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 the future not of that particular past right so no, no, i don't no, no i'm not it's not a case of um I'm, I'm, i disagree but the, it, the, there's a level of detachment and optimism uh which i feel is has a certain sense of you know wonder even in what she's illustrating isn't particularly wonderful
3: so would you say that um because of that optimism would you still classify this as a sort of cautionary tale if you will for uh today's rise of neo-fascism like in europe and other places in the
1: world well, again, that's a very big statement about <laughs> uh, you know, what you're saying. Um, you know, it's just about uh, a, to project and portray these events in the present, in the now. The optimism mm-hmm. or this seeming optimism of a of voice is coming from a place of discovery, you know of the facts of what happened. And therefore, the viewers are the viewers are discovering as she says them, as she says the story at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, the, the viewer to judge what has happened is for them to feel what has happened. She there's a neutrality to her to a delivery which was the deliberate, as in Banker's book. It was very formal, as I wanted in the delivery in order to, to give the responsibility to the viewer. Very, very, very important. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's also really the way I try to write it is to to make it as factual mm-hmm. as possible and not put any yeah emotion or things like mm-hmm. that in it. No judgment. That is all for the viewer. Mm-hmm. So this is not a film that you can you know lay back and just let it wash over you. But it has a kind of active component for the viewer. How. Do you negotiate the past and the present in every scene in a different way? This is very
1: important that, you know, there's no, there's no sort of, um, the, 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 the delivery is not detached, which is very important too. It's not detached, okay. but it's not, it's, there's, no, there's not an emphasis, but at the same time it's yeah. detached. Very, very important. And again, it's, it's wor- working with, and she's amazing, Melanie, as far as our voice and then working with the voice and working on the, on the on the delivery to get it just right.
3: So I understand that this uh, was shot, obviously, on location during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your cinematographer for this film, uh, Leonard uh, Hillage, I uh, I hope I'm saying that correct. Mm -hmm. Really striking, fascinating images uh, throughout. I love the use of I love the color timing, especially of this movie. Um, But there's a a lot of uh, shots in particular that really stood out to me. Can you tell me a little bit about the logistical challenges, though? of shooting during the pandemic if there were uh any for
1: these locations well first of all we, we shot on, on 35 millimeter which was very very important to me to shoot on, on film mm-hmm. because of the ritual um aspect of working with that material yeah because it focuses the mind It, focus, it there's a certain kind of uh, attention uh, uh um where you you know because it, it's it's so important what we were doing as far as trying to capture an aspect of, of the present that it gives your, your eye an extra focus because you're shooting on film there's a variability it's very very valuable and again how we, we shot myself another you know again was is a case of a, a, it's almost like how do you It's almost like trying to learn in some ways how to predict things before they actually happen, (laughs) Um, and that's just through trial and error. But I knew what I wanted. I knew how I wanted to do it. The case it was a kind of a tone, and again, it was just one of our situations where we would, you know, read Bianca's text, Mm -hmm. get to the location. And 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 sometimes preempt you know sometimes we go there before to 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 to, to, to recce, but often often the case you do recce like three or four, or five months ago, even more, then you go there and then saying new would happen had occurred. And therefore it's it's a kind of a meditation in time of where to put the camera, how to sort of uh, sort of how can I say how to capture what is in the text, but more. Of 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 the now, it's it's getting it, it was it was trial and error. It was trial and error. Trial, but all of a sudden, like sure. You knew when it was right. I knew when it was right, and it was just yeah. It was it was a it was a yeah. It's it's a great experience to sort of have those kind of feet, and it actually changed how Leonard shoots now. It actually the whole experience has changed the way he sees things now, which is kind of interesting. He said, you have to train your eye again mm-hmm. to grab things in the present. It's very strange. It's very it was beautiful, and he he's changed the way he's actually, he's actually shooting now.
0: What I love about it is that you get to see mm-hmm. that something doesn't have to be a great event, but that there's still, you can, you know, you can make an adventure of the smallest mm-hmm. uh, thing possible. And that gives a lot of beauty to this film. Uh,
1: from the extraordinary to the ordinary. Yeah. And don't forget myself, rather and Bianca and the team, you know, we live in Amsterdam, so we've seen these things a thousand and ten times. So therefore, we have to sort of look at it again. How? What do you, you know, you may see something, you know, well, I'm looking at this thing. And what do I see? How do I see it differently? How do I see it anew? How do I see it for the first time? Even if I know this, you know, mm-hmm. very, very well, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful exercise in some ways. So that was great. So there was a real ritualistic. There was a lot of real, kind of vigorous, kind of which I love very much.
3: Is there anything about the shooting of this movie in particular, Steve, that you'll, that maybe you did take with you working on blitz or any future projects.
1: Every and yeah, I, do, I don't think you 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 come unscathed or you come on. I, I just think the looking, this to, to look. I mean, I, that's that's my thing to look to look where to put the camera to look to look where's where's the narrative. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say yes. To that oh, that question, you just <laughs> just start looking. Yeah, you know.
3: absolutely. And Bianca, you made a fascinating documentary. A few years ago three minutes of lengthening Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously there are ties between that project and this one as well Uh, would you say that this is something that you're going to continue on with future projects or was it just by coincidence that these two uh, you know happen to be linked
0: Uh, yeah I don't think it's entirely a coincidence because Mm -hmm. the working of time and how you can present history in a different way to what we're uh, used to is is something uh, very fascinating to me so mm-hmm. some more will come of that I think mm-hmm.
3: yeah. you know I've heard uh, some people say that the expansive uh, storytelling nature of this particular film you know can have it set aside something like uh, Showa as just something very expansive something that is capturing a lot of history a lot of information and standing as its own historical document how, how do you all feel about like that kind of a comparison to obviously such a revered uh, piece of work?
1: Mm. Well, all I can say about that is that this movie couldn't be an hour and a half, you know, meaning mm-hmm. in that it was the weight of 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 time and the weight of history, and um, I think would have done a disservice to the 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 actual. Uh, what we were trying to do if it was only you know an hour and a half so yeah as far as the comparisons are concerned of course the comparison may be obviously to do with time as well mm-hmm. i mean um but of course our movies are very very different you know it would show these are people who were interviewed who were actually there and uh yeah. telling their story or or trying in a roundabout way not to tell their story so the audience would be deciphering how you know what to make of it. So they're very different, they're extremely different approaches, but I think time is, is, is is the only, I imagine the only similarity. It, it, and it's not even near similar as far as time, as far as shows considered in, mm-hmm. in our picture.
3: Sure. No, I totally get that. Absolutely. I understand that a 24 has acquired it for uh theatrical release. Obviously it's right now being presented at various film festivals. Um, I saw it at can where it uh, had an intermission. I I, I do recall uh, that, uh, but I'm curious to know if there have been discussions about how this will be theatrically released. Um, do they plan on releasing it via on Showtime, on streaming at any point? Like, like, has there been any discussion about what the rollout looks like?
1: Well, this is a cinema experience, as you were very privileged to, and hopefully a lot of people will be privileged to seeing it in cinema. Privilege, <laughs> I mean, why, why I mean by privilege, privilege is because to, to show this to length of movie with intermission is a rarity. So but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's what we my my myself and Banker wanted to, to to do was to make this an experience, not a, not a, not a that you can experience something in a in a collective and and not sort of it it'd be a history lesson. So you know it's a real it's a real sort of thrill for us that we be having a threat to release um you know here and, and and elsewhere in the world.
3: Absolutely. Can you also please talk a little bit about um working with Oliver uh Coates, your uh composer uh for this film as well because that I think is another very crucial element. It's used uh, sparingly throughout the movie, but it's uh I think very effective.
1: Yes. I mean again I think Oliver again how I it's kind of strange how I discovered Oliver Oliver's mu- music was uh, I was in a, I was in the apartment store and then the, I hit one. <laughs> and uh, this music came along and I I, I couldn't I sort of it was in my head and I couldn't shake it. Was, what is this music? And I thought my goodness this music is absolutely incredible so luckily i had a friend of mine who had shazam and she discovered this guy oliver coach i said "Well, who's this guy he was either 80s 70s whatever 90s luckily discovered that he was you know alive and kicking and this young amazing composer who lived in edinburgh um and i got on the phone with him i think within the within the next the next day and then he was he was very much up for sort of um wanting to work on, on on the project and i mean what i love about oliver is like you know we talked about the project for a long time but what i love about his music is music is almost is again i acquaint I, I it almost like as, as being almost like a, a submerged whale and then when it does break you know when it does break into our into our vision that the hump of the whale but originally it's almost like it's always been there and then it submerges again so it's not sort of intrusive it's not sort of uh um, uh, um, uh, jarring. It's almost. It's just. It's just sort of. It's. It's almost like. Uh, you know. How can I say? Um, having a situation where the music is sort of um, enhances the, the 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 reality of what we're seeing, but not in an intrusive way. It's almost like it's always been there. A hum, which has become gets louder and then disappears again.
3: And then uh, Bianca and Steve. Uh, last question for both of you. It's very evident listening to both of you talk about this project what your intentions were in making it. And also Steve, you referenced a couple of times that you want the audience to have an experience versus some sort of a history lesson. Can you possibly like elaborate a little bit on that? And Bianca also tell us as well, um, what your hope and audiences will take away after they've watched Occupied City?
1: I think, it's elabor- I think it's elaborating on on what we saw about, about the history lesson, as far as versus versus the experience, experience versus the mm-hmm. I think. You said something beautiful the other day about that. I know I, I, I can't repeat it, you said
0: it. <laughs> I forgot, but for, for me, it's, you know, in a way, yes, this is about uh, Amsterdam and a very specific uh, time and, and, and a place, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I hope also that the fewer it opens up something in a fewer to think about his own uh, town or city, uh, where he lives and how the history of that place is um, uh, affecting his uh, his or her life uh, right at this um, mm-hmm. moment. So, you know, in that way, it's very, yes, it's very local, but it also has something um, universal to tell, mm-hmm. I think, it's very local, how, global, yeah. how history mm-hmm. Is not something that you can completely discard, but it is something that is very um, uh, important to the to the present.
1: Yeah, and also I feel that you know this is a situation where, in viewing, sometimes you could only hold on to the images, and sometimes you could only hold on to the the, the 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 audio because it's it's it's, it's quite immense in, in in its weight, and that's okay. You know, you one can drift in and out of of both and bring your own narrative into the piece because it's almost like a classical concept you you, you it, 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 it it's 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 so, it's so, it's so immersive i mean again in, in with this subject matter the more you know the less you know in in in, in a way but it's 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 about getting it to the end of the of 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 the piece and sort of reflecting on the now you know on the now as far as the, the past has, has told us of of what we are where where, where we are in reflection to the past mm-hmm beautifully said and what the future and you know, the future's in, in people's hands it's, it's again this this is not the time to be complacent it isn't and if anything this film will teach you not teach you, I don't on like the word teach but it will show you what happens if one is, does not participate in some way of change in a way
3: yeah well both of you, thank you so much for your time here today talking about this movie with me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Steve, I think you're one of the great artists of our time. And Bianca, I between this and three minutes, I'm like just so enamored uh, with your work. So you. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, both of
2: you.
1: Thank
3: you. Thank you. Have a good rest of your
1: day. Thank you, mate, bye-bye. Right.
2: Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the director and co-producer for Occupied City, Steve McQueen, and producer Bianca Stigter here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Occupied City will be released in theaters on December 25th from A24 and is up for your consideration for Best Documentary Feature at this year's Academy Awards. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time.